This Herod in our text is not the girl's biological father, but was rather her stepfather who gave the half, this offer of half his kingdom to satisfy his own lust at his own birthday party. This was Herod, not Philip, Herod Antipas, the far more ambitious, full-blood son of Herod the Great, who now, this Herod Antipas, ruled in his father's stead, after his father's death. It was upon his visit, this Herod Antipas, it was upon his visit to Rome that he first caught the eye of Herodias, his brother's wife. It's a strange story, isn't it? Are you keeping up? It seems that the beautiful Herodias was not content to live a quiet life with her pacifist Herod Philip. But two things stood in her way. Both she and this other Herod Antipas were married. So Herodias first encourages Antipas to leave his wife, and then she quickly dispatches her husband, his brother, and biological father of today's young person of the Bible. Are you keeping up? So now as you read through the story again, you got all the pieces that make up the bad blood that passed on to today's young person of the Bible. The girl's name is Salome. Her mother... Herodias. Her stepfather is actually her uncle, Herod Antipas. This is why John the Baptist spoke out strongly against their marriage. Now you, now you get the picture. He said, John said this was a terrible thing. It should not be approved. It's certainly ungodly. And so John the Baptist spoke out against it. And public opinion was against it. And if you would, just turn in your Bibles over one book to Mark, chapter 6. We'll read the story again with some more detail in your mind. Mark, chapter 6. Let's pick it up with verse 14. And King Herod heard of him, John the Baptist, for his name was spread abroad. And he said that John the Baptist was, excuse me, Jesus. But then he said that John the Baptist was risen from the dead. Therefore, mighty works do show forth themselves in him. So he's, he's talking of Jesus, who must be John the Baptist, raised from the dead, come back to haunt me. Others said that it's Elias, others that it's a prophet, one of the prophets. But when Herod heard thereof, he said, it's John whom I beheaded. He's risen from the dead. He's come back to haunt me. And Herod himself had sent forth and laid hold upon John and bound him. So now we're back to that story in prison for Herodias, his now wife's sake, who was his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. And John had said unto Herod, it's not lawful for you to have this woman as your wife. And now you know why. You know the rest of the story. Therefore Herodias had an argument against John the Baptist and would have killed him on the spot, but she could not. For Herod feared John, so he would not. That he was a just man and a holy and observed him. And when he had heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. And when a convenient day was come, that Herod on his birthday made a supper to the lords, the high captains, and the chief estates of Galilee. So all these 
very important people there. And when the daughter of the said Herodias came in and danced and pleased Herod, this is a lustful pleasure. And then that sat with him, the king said unto the damsel, Ask me whatever you will, and I'll give it you. And he swore unto her, Whatever you ask, as if she hesitated, I'll give it you, up to half the kingdom. So she went forth and said unto her mother, What shall I ask? And she said, The head of John the Baptist. If you were 12 years old, your mother said that to you. Without hesitation. She came straightway and with haste unto the king and asked, saying, I will that thou give me by and by in the charger the head of John the Baptist. And the king was exceeding sorrow. But yet, because he made this oath, and for the sakes of those who sat around, all these important people that heard him, he couldn't reject her. Verse 27, immediately the king sent an executioner and commanded his head to be brought. And he went and beheaded him in prison and brought the head of John the Baptist and his charger and gave it to the damsel and the damsel gave it to her mother and when the disciples heard of it they came and took up his corpse and laid him in a tomb. Now I ask myself a lot of questions when I read this story. But why Salome would turn out the way she did, why she would think the way she thought and do what she did, I found three things which are perhaps more common among parents today than we might otherwise care to admit or even care to imagine. The bad blood of Salome was, first of all, because she had parents. And I know you're looking around saying, well, I'm not a parent right now, but you're a grandparent. You've got some influence. I know you do. Because parents who played too much. And what do I mean by that? They never grew up themselves, right? And now they live a life of self-indulgence. And so you hear people say things like, we have kids today who are raising kids, right? Grown-ups whose toys have only gotten more expensive. They're focused on happiness in this world. They refuse to listen to the old preacher, like that of John the Baptist. The warning about their plans for marriage and divorce and relationships and sex outside of marriage, and you name it. They lived a rather humble life away from the fame and fortune of the city, and she became, this woman Herodias, became discontent with her marriage. And she noticed how the rest of the Herods were living. And she thought to herself, I want myself a little bit of that. And I'm sure that Herod Antipas had never been looked at or flattered like she did. There's no doubt that Herodias knew how to sensually please him, and she evidently taught her daughter to do the same and to wear the same. Personal pleasure was their goal. They focused on happiness in this world, and as a result, they were focused on having their own way. You see, once a couple sits in the office of the old preacher, John the Baptist, and they sit down before John the Baptist and they say things like, I deserve to be happy. Why can't I be happy? And once they sit down in the old preacher's office and they say things like that, there's nothing the preacher has to say. Because the damage has already been done. And the work is already happening in their marriage to undermine everything. 
Today's couples may not put the old preacher in jail, and I hope they don't behead him. However, like they did with John the Baptist, but they'll begin by simply ignoring what he has to say, just try to silence him. Maybe they'll go to another church, or maybe they drop out of church altogether. See, the reason John the Baptist was put in jail was simply to shut him up. As Herod and Herodias would have put him to death, but they feared the multitude because they counted. The multitude thought of John as a prophet, and he was the last of the prophets to introduce us to the Lord Jesus Christ. People who live for pleasure are simply used to killing the messenger if they don't like the message, just move on to something else. And they'll easily exchange, as in our text, one marriage for another because one thing was not making them happy and they just move on. It's not hard to imagine why kids act the way they do when they see their parents play around with the world the way they do. We live in a society of self-indulgence with parents who are unwilling to accept self-denial and they live for no cause greater than themselves. In fact, turn over a couple of pages and you'll see what Jesus has to say about this. Mark, if you're still there, chapter 8, look down at verse 34. And when he had called the people unto, his, unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him do what? Deny himself. Take up his cross. Follow me. Because whoever will live for the happiness of this world, save his life in this world, will lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same will save it. And what shall it profit a man, a woman, if he would gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what would a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in his glory, the glory of his Father and all his holy angels with him. Parents have exchanged the soul of their own children for their own personal satisfaction in this world. Parents who've played around too much. Another reason for the bad blood of Salome. Another reason for the bad blood of Salome. Parents who push too hard. Parents who push too hard. Their children grow up too fast. Don't tell me Salome was an average 12-year-old girl. They pushed her to the point that she's grown up too fast. Parents want their child to be the first at everything, the best of everything, be enrolled in the latest whatever and become the greatest at every sport. Convince our children. They'll be successful. But we educate our children right out of their childhood. Let me say that again. We educate our children right out of their childhood. And as a result, children see and hear things before they are mentally, emotionally, physically prepared to handle the consequence of the things they're talking about. Salome was enrolled in dance class. 
And you'll think I'm old-fashioned when I say in the outfit she was being asked to wear, they encouraged sensual dress. It was Herod's birthday, though, right? I mean, it's the time of celebration. It's just, you know, it's what they do. It's innocent. Tradition tells us that this young girl of 12 years of age danced in seven veils, discarding them one at a time as she danced before all these lustful men. We need mothers who can teach our young ladies to adorn themselves, 1 Timothy 2, with modest apparel. New Living Translation puts Paul's words uh, in 1 Timothy 2 rather plainly. He instructs young women to be modest in their appearance. They should wear decent, appropriate clothing, not draw attention to themselves by the way they fix their hair, or wearing of gold or pearls or expensive clothes. For women who claim to be devoted to God should make themselves attractive, by the good things they do, 1 Timothy 2. Peter told young women to not be so concerned about out, outward beauty, which depends on fancy hair, expensive jewelry, or clothes, but rather be known for the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. That's the way the holy women of old made themselves beautiful, 1 Peter chapter 3. Now let me be very specific, and with more and more teenager daughters, you're going to say, who does this apply to? I suppose someone that you may know. But with more and more of our teenage stepdaughters, like Salome, being raised by stepfathers in the world like Antipas, we should take extra care even for modesty within the home. Now you think, preacher, what are you talking about? You didn't sit with me. As the police raided a home of a stepfather whose eyes I had looked into the week before and said, you better leave her alone or I'll see you in jail. You didn't sit with me. You haven't seen some of the things I've seen, but you hear the stories. The world in which we live is a wicked place and we need to take care of our young people, especially our young daughters. Now call me whatever you want. But girls like Salome, when they dress like Herodias, there are going to be terrible consequences, especially when they don't even yet understand the effect they're having. In the bluntness of John the Baptist, with men today hyped up on Viagra, we, need, we don't need the innocence of our young ladies put on display. Can I say it any more plainly? Parents who push too hard not only tend to allow for this sensual dress, they also encourage selfish desires, as if the whole world revolves around their child. When Salome asked her mother for advice there in verse 24, imagine for a moment... All the things a 12-year-old girl might dream about. What she might have on her mind. What she might hope for. But without hesitation, her mother Herodias gives the most selfish desire left in her evil heart, and she asks for the head of John the Baptist on a silver platter. 
Perhaps even more shocking is that without discussion or hesitation, Salome hurries back to tell her stepfather. What this tells me is that this was not the first time Herodias had talked to her young daughter about this old preacher, John the Baptist. It's not the first time she had said such hateful things. It wasn't a surprise to Salome. Parents, may I just say, please guard your frustration in the home. You might be frustrated with your boss. You might be frustrated with some politician. You might be frustrated with your spouse. Guard your conversation in the home among the children, your grandparents, among those grandchildren. Don't turn the children against people they don't even know about things they don't understand or circumstances that are outside of their responsibility. Just let them be children, for goodness sake. And again, I read from Peter as he addresses unity in the home in the, in the context of the passage in 1 Peter 3. And he says that if you love life, if you want to see good days, retrain, re refrain your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking guile. Parents and grandparents, it's your single greatest responsibility to train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he won't depart from it. What is that all about? Everybody always asks. Literally, it means to push them in the right direction. That's what it's about. Push them in the right direction. And still, if I say that to this same parent, if I said this to someone like Herodias, she would say to me, she's pushed her in every other direction, and she would say to me, well, that's a personal decision. I don't want to force it upon them. Really? You're going to force them in every other direction, but when it comes to the relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you're not going to make a big deal about it? You're going to be silent about it? And you're just going to let those kids make their own decision about it? It's not about forcing them. This word training, it's not about forcing them. You ever have a tree that was leaning in the wrong direction? What did you do to it? You just tied it back, right? You just tried to you just tie it, put enough tension on it to try to bring it back in the right direction. Remember raising tomatoes? You raise the tomatoes, you put a little maybe a tomato cage or a post or something. You kind of you put just enough tension on that thing to just help it to grow as best it possibly could. That's the nature of this conversation. You're not beating them over the head with a Bible. You're just trying to put enough tension in their life to keep them drawn back to the things of the Lord. We have children among us within the sphere of our influence, and we need to just help keep them moving in the right direction. Well, we've witnessed parents who played too much, pushed too hard. One more reason for the bad blood of this young lady, Salome. Parents who promise too quickly one of the greatest lessons you could teach your child is that nothing worthwhile is ever diminished by time. The world is not going to come to an end before this matter that is before your child is settled. Give them ways to earn it, maybe. Well, that's novel. Let them wait for it, if necessary. They're not ready for it. Stop showing off to other people because you can Help them dream and imagine great things beyond themselves. King Solomon said in a dream, or in, a, in his words, a dream realized brings life and joy. Parents who give 
too much, too quickly, are actually stealing the hopes and dreams of their children. You're not encouraging them. You're killing them, their dreams, not fulfilling them. They've already got it. What else have they got to hope for, work for, dream about? Parents who promise too quickly are always acting impetuously, spontaneously, without any thought of consequence. Herod Antipas, this Herod in our story, had dealt with heads of states. We know because they're at his birthday party. They had led armies. He had made decisions of national importance, but at home with Herodias and this young girl, he was a pushover. Because when Salome came in and danced, he and all his guests were so pleased that the king said unto her in this impetuous way, whatever you want, I'll give it to you, half the kingdom. As if she didn't believe him, he says it again. Impetuous parents give in to their children for one of two reasons. You've seen this. And maybe both. One is because the parent grew up with hard times and and they were denied certain things, and so they want to give it over to their children. Or, and, or, they enjoy showing off all the things they have, and so they do it through their children. You've seen this. And they give it to their children because they don't want to deny them. And they give it to their children because they like to show off just how much they have. There's little doubt that Herod the Great was hard on Antipas. There's little doubt. I mean, he was a a vile, violent leader, Herod the Great. He was hard on his son, Herod Antipas. Don't forget, this is the Herod that if you disobey, you're his child, and you disobeyed him, guess what he would do? He would have you killed. How do you think old Antipas felt? Yeah, Antipas. I mean, he, he was raised in a difficult home. And there's little doubt that Antipas was now showing off for the crowd at this birthday bash of himself. The lords, the high captains, the chief of the states of Galilee, verse 21. But imagine being Salome and already having so much at age 12. She had everything and anything she wanted that you now have, when you are asked, what would you like? Half the kingdom. And you already have so much of this world that you have no dreams left. That's the 12-year-olds we have. That's the nature of children, for the most part, today. Not your grandkids, of course, not your children, but others. Never in his wildest imagination that he thought this little darling dancer of a daughter would request anything so gruesome. Maybe he was thinking she asked for a car. I'll get her the nicest one. Maybe a flat screen TV for a bedroom. Sure, we can do that. The latest iPhone, absolutely. Love to get it for her. She'll show it off to all her friends and they'll know I'm the best dad. How about a pool in the backyard? We can do that. Let's show off just how much money we have. But the head of John the Baptist on a silver platter? 
You know she's got everything else she could ever imagine. But you might imagine the jabs and the comments. Now, now, now go back and be Herod Antipas for just a moment. And you've asked your daughter, and you've made this public statement in front of everybody. And she, before she answers, she says, I'm going to go ask mom. And all those other leaders in the crowd said, oh, you're in trouble now, right? They don't know what she's coming back with. But if she's going to go ask mom first, you know he's in trouble now. Well, trouble there was, and parents who promise too quickly would not only act impetuously, but also are forced now to act impatiently. There's no doubt what the mother wanted. There's no doubt what the king must now do, albeit to his chagrin, verse 26, he says he really didn't want to do it. But now he had to. I mean, he's, he's made this public statement, he's got to do it. Herod must now give in without delay in order just to keep peace in the home. Let me say that again. Herod has given in time and time again, and now, because he's acted so rashly, that he has to give in just to keep peace in the home. After all we've seen in our society, is it really so hard for us to believe that a family dispute could turn out to be so gruesome. The cover-up of his divorce and marriage to his brother's wife has now come full circle, and he can't get away from it. And because of his impatience, I have a right to be happy. I can do this. It's within my grasp. It's my right. Herod was forever haunted by the words of John the Baptist. And so when he meets Jesus or hears about Jesus, he thinks this must be John the Baptist come back from the grave to haunt me. When Herod the Tetrarch heard of the fame of Jesus, Mark or Matthew chapter 14, he said to his servants, this is John the Baptist, he's risen from the dead. In Mark chapter 8, if you're still there in Mark, Mark chapter 8, verse 27. And Jesus went out and his disciples into the town of Caesarea and of Philippi. And by the way, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do you say that I am? You will probably answer this question like Herodias. If you're, if you're, if you're of the world, and it's not an answer prompted by the Holy Spirit, your answer will be like that of Herod. It will be governed by the circumstance you're going through right now. And he had, he had nothing good. But whom do you say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist. Some say. Some say Elias. Others, one of the prophets. And he saith, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered and said unto him, Thou art the Christ. Parents, grandparents, whatever your influence over children, no matter what your child may say in the turmoil of the moment, because the world is coming to an end as far as they're concerned, right? The greatest influence on your child and the most trusted source of information for your child, it's still you. It's still you. 
you may be going in the face of greater opposition than ever before because the information flow is so much greater. It's like a fire hose upon our children today. But their trusted source of information is still you. Who do you say that Jesus is? When they come to you looking for hopes and dreams, that little 12-year-old, and they've got hopes and dreams, and they come to you looking for advice, and they want to fill in the blanks, what do you put in their head? Now, my children are not perfect. I have one sitting here this morning, so I, I don't in any way suggest that. But I will guarantee you what I've said to them about Jesus, it will haunt them from my grave. They'll never be able to forget. As I have always said, find your truth in relationship to Jesus, you'll never go wrong. Who do you say that Jesus is? And if some child is looking for an answer, what will you say to them?